We're talking about prayer, four ways that we can thrive in our prayer life, or four ways that we can discover to connect with God in prayer. And today I want to talk about a better way to answered prayer. Anybody ever feel like you've prayed and you wonder, is anybody out there? Is anybody listening? You know, I'm praying and and uh, it just seems like I'm not I'm not getting an answer. You know, uh, when Carla and I were young, which was quite a few years ago, probably about 11 years ago, I think, and uh, we were planting a church in our early years of ministry in Lloydminster, which is a town on the border of Saskatchewan and Alberta, and we were we moved there. We left our families and, and uh, friends, and we moved to Lloydminster. We had a vision, a dream to plant a church with another couple, and we were working on that, and, and we were seeing things happen. It was pretty exciting. There was people that got saved, and there was, there was lives being transformed and changed, and we were bringing hope to people through the gospel. And uh, after a little while, this one family that was with us said, you know, we're leaving by the way. And we went, what? You're leaving? That's not what we planned, right? And it was just like someone threw a bucket of cold water on me. And I, I, was, I was confused. And, and I, I just said, God, what is going on? And I started to, to pray uh, to God, like, help me, God, help me make sense of this or help these people change their minds and stay here or whatever. And uh, so I was I was, uh, you know, feeling like alone. I was feeling abandoned. Uh, I was feeling confused about what I thought was God's plan, and these people were leaving. And I, and I remember just praying and feeling like, God, do you even give a care about me? Do you even hear me? Do you? Are you even out there? You know, I'm, I'm mad, I'm upset, I'm broken, I'm hurt. Any, anybody ever feel like that in your life? And, and uh, you know, when, when, it, when we feel like that, when we feel like God isn't listening, some of the things we can do is we can get angry and we can blame God. You know, we can, we can get mad at God. You know, here's, here's God helping us out and then all of a sudden confusion comes and we, and we turn it around, we blame him for bringing this upon ourselves. And then, and then sometimes we can, we can uh, uh, in the confusion, rather than turn to God, we turn to people. We, we look for someone to help me. We start phoning people or going, to, and you, you got to help me. You know, I can't make sense of this. You know, God is not listening. you got to pray for me. you got to do this. You, we start telling people what they got to do for us. You know, that can be a response when it feels like God is not listening. We, we can get discouraged when we feel like God is not listening. And sometimes when we get discouraged, we isolate. And we push people away and we, we go and we hide out and we, we uh, get closed in by ourselves. And, and that's not a happy place. That's not a healthy place. Have you ever prayed and wondered, God, are you listening? <laughs> Why does it seem like you're not answering my prayers? Have you ever felt like blaming God? Have you ever felt like turning to someone to come and rescue you? Have you ever made that call and said, you got to help me out of this mess? Have you ever got discouraged and felt alone and isolated yourself? You know, what I didn't know at the time when I was going through this is that God 
is more interested in what he can do in me than what I can do for him. I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought it was all about me and what I could do for God. And what God thought was it was all about me and what he could do in me. He wanted to develop me. He wanted to grow me. You know, God was growing and developing me. You know, when we run from God, when we find ourselves facing trials again and again, when the pressure is on, where are we going to run? Are we going to run to the blame game? Are we going to run to people? Are we going to get discouraged? Well, I'll tell you, at that time, thank God for his grace, I ran to him, and God began to do a work in me. This wasn't a one-day process. This was over probably a year. You know, are you feeling pressure? Do you feel like running away? Do you feel like you're you're blaming God for something? Do you feel like your expectations are going to people to bail you out of the problems you're in? I want to ask you, could it be? Could it be like God would sent me an invitation to have an encounter with him? Could it be that God is sending you an invitation to have an encounter with him? Could it be that God is trying to tell you he's more interested in what he can do in you than what you can do for him. You know, Paul was one of the greatest leaders in the Bible, and he went through something very similar to this, uh, and we read about it in the book of 2 Corinthians that he wrote with his own hand. He said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. He said, I was given... A thorn in my flesh. That's a polite way for Paul to say, it was a pain in the back of my body. It was a, I was given a thorn in my flesh. It was a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me. You know, Paul when he prayed, he didn't, he, when he says, I prayed three times, you know, he didn't say, Jesus, take it away from me. Jesus, take it away from me. Jesus, take it away from me. You know, he wasn't into this. He didn't get a chant going. He wasn't trying to psych himself up. You know, he wasn't like, like, uh, Jesus, 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 go Jesus. You know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. Paul was setting aside intentional time concerted time. He was determined to encounter God. He was termined, determined to make God his single focus in prayer, and he cried out in desperation to God. That's what he was doing. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, just, you know, uh, uh, doing something flippantly. He was being intentional, and he was pursuing God. And Paul's experience in prayer shows us that it's not the quantity of time that I spend in prayer that makes a difference, or the quantity of times we pray that makes a difference. Paul prayed three times. Three times he set times aside. Three times he cried out. You know, it could have been for 48 hours each time. Can you imagine 48 hours of prayer? Isn't that amazing, Pastor Kimmy? 
When you told me we were going to have 48 hours of prayer, I said, I said to myself, I think Pastor Kimmy has flipped her lid. <laughs> it's a good thing that we can spend concerted, intentional times in prayer. And Paul did that. Maybe 48 hours and no answer. And so he did it again for 48 hours and no answer. And then he did it again for 48 hours and no answer. And so we can tell by the scripture that it's not the quantity of time or the quantity of times that causes God to answer our prayers. It's not the question of why. Paul was saying, why do I have this pain in my backside, God? It's a messenger. Of, why have you done this? Sent this messenger of Satan to me. I'm your servant. I'm serving you, God. Has anybody ever prayed like that? I've been good, God. I've been paying my tithes. I've been going to church on Sunday. I, I quit smoking. I quit swearing. I didn't, even, I didn't even kick my dog this week, and you're still not answering my prayers. Oh, God. It's not the question why that causes God to answer our prayers. It's the quality of our humility. And this is what Paul discovers. It's the quality of our humility that causes God to answer prayer. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he said, But, Je but Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about what? How good I am? How, how long I prayed? No. What he boasted about was his weaknesses. So that Christ's power would rest upon me. That's an interesting statement, eh? Christ's power rested on him. What? I want that. I want Christ's power resting on me. But do I want the pain in the backside? Or do, I want to, or do I want to remember my weaknesses to God? Well, well, Paul, he recognized that it was his weakness that released Christ's power. And I was just thinking about Christ's power. Well, Christ's power, what is it? Well, if we read this verse, we find out Christ's power is simply his grace. It's found right there in the words of Jesus at the beginning of that verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficiency. What is, what is Christ's power? It's his grace. Oh, oh, I want that then. I want your grace, God. Jesus, I want your grace. What, what is grace? Grace is not something that you say before you eat. This is not what this verse is talking about. Grace is God's empowering presence that helps us to be who he called us to be and do what he's called us to do. Despite our failings, despite our weaknesses, it's Christ's power activated in us. So what I want to ask do we do if our grace is gone, 
What if we have no grace? What if we have no power? What if we're, we're, we're praying to God and there's just, we, we're saying we're weak, but w- what do we do? Well, what I do is I ask myself a couple of questions. I kind of diagnose myself. I become a doctor and I say, I say to myself, patient, I have a couple questions for you. You know, I, I don't know. Sometimes people think I'm perfect. Someone said to me the other day, you're the most spiritual person I know. And it felt very good when they said that. I felt, I felt my ego was going up like that. But really, I know myself. I know my weaknesses. I know my shortcomings. And there's challenges in my life. You know, sometimes Carla and I have challenges in our relationship. She's hard to get along with. <laughs> if you believe that. <laughs> But no, I'm telling you, we're human. I'm human, and we have our shortcomings. I especially have shortcomings. And there's times in our relationship I have to go to God and say, God, I need to ask you something about what's going on here. You know, there's times when things were going on when we're raising our kids, and now our kids are adults, but I'm still trying to be a parent and trying to love them as a dad. You know, when the church is facing battles and I don't know what to do, Sometimes I just feel like giving up. I feel like like reverting to yelling or chucking things or or, uh, breaking something. Sometimes I just feel like writing my resignation letter and saying, I'm out of here. I give up. I don't know what else to do. Just saying. Sometimes our grace is gone. Anybody ever get to that point when you just feel like your grace is gone? One time I was working on... Uh, the farm, my wife's parents farmed for all their their working years and, and beyond. And Carla and I were there, and I was working on the farm with uh, her dad, which I, I called him my dad. And, uh, and uh, I remember this one day, everything seemed to go wrong. Everything was breaking down. Everything, like the equipment was getting plugged up. And there was, there was I remember, a hydraulic pump on the combine stopped working. And... It was just one thing after another, and, and uh, I remember Carla's dad, Adam, he said to me, let's just pull everything back to the yard, and let's start this day over, and we're going to just fix everything, and we're going to just redo. I said, okay, so we drove back to the yard, we got all, everything cleaned up, all the tools, and we fixed everything, and we were just about to head back, and I thought, I'm just going to run to the house and get a drink, and I remember walking by the the grain truck that was parked in the yard and I just walked walked by it and the tire blew on the truck boom just from me walking by has anybody ever have a day like that it doesn't matter what you do it just seems like things are going haywire and you just feel like you need to throw up your hands your grace is gone and you feel like quitting well What I do is I ask myself a couple questions. One, have I stopped depending on God? Have I stopped depending on God? Am I just doing this in my own strength? Am I just going after my own good ideas? Am I just trying harder? Am I just trying to make something up? Is it just my past experiences that I'm leaning on? Or is my trust in God strong am i trusting him am am i am i willing if if he said to me 
don't do this, do that. And I think that seems really weird to do that. That doesn't make sense. Would I do it? (laughs) Am I willing to trust him? Am I willing to step out and listen to him? You know, uh, one of our elders, Cam, I don't know if he's around somewhere. He was here a little while ago. He, he told me a story, and I, I've told this to the church before, but he was driving in his car on the highway, and, and the Lord told him to change lanes, go change into the slow lane, and he was in the fast lane, and he said, no, I'm not changing into the f- slow lane. I'm in the fast, and i got to catch the ferry. And uh, the Holy Spirit said to him again, no, ch- change into the slow lane. Are you just trusting in yourself to get you to the ferry? Are you, just, are you just thinking, you know, to get to the ferry, i got to be in the fast lane. I know how to look after this, God. I'll do it because I can trust myself. I know what I can do. Just stay out of my life. Have you ever, have you ever felt like that with God? <laughs> uh, Cam was having that, uh, I think, that discussion with God. And finally, God seemed to get through, and he moved over to the slow lane. And when he did that, he told me the story. The cars beside him started to crash into each other, right beside him as he was driving. Bang, bang, bang. And he realized that the Holy Spirit had delivered him from missing the ferry. And he actually made to the ferry. Are we just trusting in ourselves? Have we stopped depending on God? Is God in a place in your life where he's able to say something to you and you would listen? Have you made time for him today to speak to you? If he did speak to you, would you listen to him? Number two, have I stopped believing for a miracle? Have I stopped depending on God? Have I stopped believing for a miracle? You know, when we stop believing that God can and will make a way, then our faith has become too small. We need to keep believing for a miracle. So how do we do that? Well, larger faith doesn't just come from being crazy. Like I was saying, Pastor Kim was, Kimmy was a little out there when she said we should do 48 hours of prayer, and I kind of thought, woohoo, <laughs> you know? I, have we... Have we left room for God to give us a dream of an encounter with his grace? You know, grace leverages our weaknesses to propel us into unexplainable power and the will of God. It's not, it's not our strength that propels us. It's our weakness. When we're feeling weak, what we do is we depend on God's strength. Are we, have we stopped believing for a miracle? If we've stopped believing for a miracle, it's a sign we're living in our own strength. Have we given up? Have we given up? Maybe you've given up on the church. Maybe the church has let you down. Maybe you've given up on your family. Maybe your family's let you down. Maybe you've given up on a relationship because you're, that person in the relationship has let you down. Maybe you've given up on a dream that God has given you because it just doesn't seem like it could ever come to pass. I was so excited. I was reading to my uh, prayer group this morning an email that I got from Lilia, who's uh, a member of our church who's in Greece right now, serving in, in Greece. And she's been doing some traveling. and But... But really, uh, one of the things she's doing that really stirs me up is she's working with Syrian refugees. And she wrote me a letter about how God was working 
in this refugee camp. And they went with this idea that uh, they were going to try to help these people. And she said on their way there, she, the Lord spoke to her and said, I want you to give words for the children that you meet in that refugee camp. Words of hope, prophetic words. Just speak prophetic words of hope and deliverance over their lives. <laughs> so she got there and she said, I don't know how it's all going to work out. But, but she started to do that and the families started to come. They started to hear them speaking hope and rescue over that Jesus was going to rescue their children. And I'll tell you, this has been a prayer in my heart for like five years. And it just, I was actually arguing with God. I'm almost ready to give up on this dream, God. Are you ever going to help us have a breakthrough with these refugees? And uh, she said, families started to give their hearts and lives to Jesus in this camp. I'm just so excited. I'm so stoked about that. Grace leverages our weakness. When we're feeling weak, when we feel like giving up, grace will propel us into an unexplained uh, encounter with the power and will of God. The temptation is to make pride a point of pride. You know, Tom Petty, he sang a song that was, uh, the words were, I won't back down. Oh, I won't back down. If I, uh, what's it, song? You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Well, that, that's prideful, you know? If we, if we were standing at the gates of hell on our own, you know how good we would stand up? Not very good. It's actually our dependence on Jesus that causes us to be strong. You know, James 4 verse 6 says that God opposes the proud. When we're proud, God says, okay, you got this? <laughs> then have at it. You're on your own. It's no wonder that sometimes we get discouraged, that we want to give up on our best efforts. Even our best prayers, when they're prayed out of pride or selfish ambition, can lead us to frustration. You know, God has a better way for us to get to where he wants us to be, where he created us to be. God is like our father. And parents, we tell our young children what they have to do. <laughs> you know, we tell them what they have to do. You know, that's kind of a pet peeve I got, actually. Uh, sometimes uh, where parents are asking their kids, do you want to go to bed? <laughs> do you want to sit down and have your dinner? Well, no, that's not what parents do. Parents tell their kids, it's time to go to bed. It's time for dinner. And then as they mature and they begin to grow, our kids learn how to apply things that they've been taught for the last 15 years. And, and then and then sometimes there's teachable moments where, where kids still choose the hard way to learn something. And we're, we're kind of like that. You know, my, my son, uh, when he was learning how to drive, I, I used to tell him to slow down. And then one day he was driving and the police pulled him over and told him to slow down. And he lost his license for, I can't remember if it was three months or six months. And now that son, if I ever drive with him, he's a very slow driver. <laughs> he's a very, he learned. He learned the lesson. He learned it the hard way. And that's what God wants us to learn. He wants us to learn. There's an easy way and a hard way. 
and neither of them are actually all that easy, but one of them's more enjoyable because we're functioning in God's grace. I want to wrap this up. Three reasons why Jesus wants our pride to go so that he can answer our prayers. Number one, Jesus wants his Father to get all the glory. This is found in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. Jesus wanted God's name to be glorified. God's name to be worshipped in everything that we do. Everything that we say. You know, one of the reasons why Jesus wants our pride to decrease is so that the Father's glory can increase. The second reason Jesus wants pride to go so he can answer our prayers is that Jesus wants his kingdom to come. It's also found in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, God has a higher purpose and he wants it to come. And our pride cannot stand in the way of God's purposes. The third reason Jesus wants pride to go is Jesus wants to protect us. Jesus wants to protect us. Luke 11, verse 11 to 13 says, Which of you fathers, if your son or daughter would ask for a fish, would give them a snake instead? Or if they asked for an egg, would give them a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil or though you're human, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, Jesus was saying, fish and eggs, good. Snakes and scorpions, bad. Fish and eggs, good. Snakes and scorpions, bad. If your dad can figure that out, how much better? How much better are the gifts that God has? Pastor Kibby was just leading us in this, which is just so cool that you were doing that. That's in my message. How much better are the gifts that God has with your name on? You know what's better than gifts under the Christmas tree? Gifts under the Christmas tree with our names on them. Huh? You don't go looking under the Christmas tree to see who else got gifts. It's the gifts that we're going to get. Oh, if your dad knows how to give good gifts, how much better. That's pride can stand in the way of what God wants to do. He wants to protect you. He wants to protect you from things that are going to affect you in a negative way and give you things that are going to be a positive experience and lead you into strength in your life, lead you into grace. This is why when we pray in Jesus' name, we defer our pride. We defer our will. We defer our desires. For what? For God's glory. For God's will. For his desires. They're all greater than ours. Hopefully I can open this. 
You know, when we pray in Jesus' name, I'm going to have to go over here, Dwayne, sorry. When we pray in Jesus' name, it's a lot like this umbrella. We're saying, I want to, I want to be, I want to be a glorifier of you, God. I want to be someone who walks in your will, God. That's what this umbrella represents. I want to be someone who is protected by my heavenly Father. So this is why when we pray, we want to make sure we're under the umbrella. You want to know why God wants your pride to go? Because he wants you to be under here. And when you're under here, he wants to answer your prayers. When we pray in Jesus' names, when we pray in Jesus' name, we're under this umbrella. This is a sign of his authority, of his power, of his grace. I'm going to put this back down. We're going to just end this message with a prayer. I just want to read a couple scriptures to you, though, as I'm closing. Hebrews 4, 7. God set a certain day, and he called it today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You know, have you been praying? Have you felt resistance in your life? Could it be that God is calling you to humility? He's saying, he's saying, make room for me. Make room for me. Soften your heart to me. Open your ear to my voice again. You know, Jesus said, if you hear his voice. if He wasn't saying, if you can hear my voice. Jesus didn't say that in here. If you can hear my voice, do not harden. He didn't say that, do not harden your heart. He said, if you choose to hear my voice, will you soften your heart to me? Will you soften your heart to my voice? Will you make room for me in your life? Will you make room to get, bring glory to my Father? Will you make room to do my will? Will you make room for the gifts I have for you? Or is it got to be all about you? What you want, what your plans are, what you've got in store. Well, Jesus is speaking to us today. And he's saying, will you hear my voice? Will you choose to hear my voice? Will you choose humility? Because humility is going is to open the door for my grace. God's empowering presence that helps you to be who he wants you to be. Aren't you frustrated being resisted? Aren't you frustrated calling out in desperation and feeling like God doesn't answer your prayer? And God is saying, I want to not resist you as a proud person. But that verse goes on to say, he gives grace to the humble. Humility opens the door for God's power in your life. We're going to pray for breakthrough in your life. And that's going to come as we open our hearts in a humble way to Jesus. 
I just want to encourage you just to close your eyes. We're going to take a minute to pray as we're ending this service, and then we're going to sing a song and worship the Lord. So, Lord, we just want to say we love you. And we want you to know, Lord, we, we sometimes get it wrong. We get living by our own good ideas and our own efforts, and we just think, hey, man, maybe i got to help you out, and i got to fix a few things up for you, and i got to just do this in my own strength, in my own ideas. And Lord, we just want you to know we're sorry that we get that way. And, Lord, we're humbling ourselves before you today, and we're saying, would you forgive us, God, for being hard-hearted, Even when you've been speaking to us, God, we haven't listened. And Lord, would you tune our ears? Would you make our hearts responsive to your Holy Spirit, oh God, as we open our hearts to you? Lord, would you you come to us again? Lord, and rescue us from this place of pride. Lord, see our weaknesses as an open door that you would want to pour your grace out on our lives again, oh God. We're desperate for you, Jesus. We're desperate for you, God. Lord, we are tired of trying to do things on our own. We're we're tired of it, God. We're longing for your spirit to move in our lives, Lord. We're, We're hungry for you, God, and we want to hear you. We want to listen, and we want to follow you. Oh, Test us, God, in this. And help us, Lord, to follow you with humble hearts. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're watching today online. Maybe you're here in the parking lot. I don't know. And you've never given your heart to Jesus. And you just feel his presence. It's a compelling presence of the Holy Spirit drawing you. And you just want, you want to know God. You want to know Jesus. I'm just going to ask you, would you reach out to him? Just with your words, just reach out to him and say, Jesus, please come into my life. I need you. I need you to rescue me. I need you to work in me. I'm asking you, God, I'm so tired of living this life in my own strength. Lord, would you come to me? Would you forgive me, Jesus? Would you give me a new heart, a new life, Lord? Make me new. Make me new, like only you can do, Jesus, the perfect man who gave himself on the cross, shed his blood and died for me to forgive me of my sin and give me a right relationship with my heavenly Father. So, Lord, I just receive that gift that you bought for me right now in Jesus' name.